Hello and welcome to the first Knitcast of 2010 with me, Marie Urshard. My special guest is writer Rachel Heron, whose first book, How to Knit a Love Song, is released around the world on March the 2nd. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be with you. Oh, thanks for agreeing to be interviewed. How does it feel that being, I suppose, having that title writer? It feels still like the dream come true, even though I got the contract for the book and uh, the next two in the series about 18 months ago. But it's uh, actually, it's the dream come true. And today is a really good day to be talking to you because just about 10, 15 minutes ago, I got the first book in my hand delivered to the front door. Wow. This is literally hot off the press. Uh, and uh, this is the first time I've ever seen How to Knit a Love Song in its final form. And so I'm kind of, I'm, I'm delirious. It's, it's gorgeous. I think I have the prettiest book in the world. <laughs> I can't wait for you to see it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to see it either. No, I, I, I just think it's it's great news. Just fabulous and for you. It has my name on it and everything. It doesn't. It does. It does. It's an interesting question because it doesn't feel real still. Mm. It, it really doesn't. But it's exciting. Well, tell us about the story. What's it about? Uh, How to Knit a Love Song is about sheep rancher on a farm in the central coast of California, and a knitter. Both, I like to say that both need wool, but not, they need wool for different reasons, and neither of them need it to generate heat because they generate enough heat on their own. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it's the story of a woman named Eliza Carpenter who originally owned the sheep ranch. She leaves most of the sheep ranch to her nephew, the sheep rancher, but she leaves a small parcel of it. Uh, and a tiny cottage to Abigail. And Abigail moves on to the sheep rancher's land and she starts a knitting store. And so, of course, the she and Cade are put in opposition immediately. The sheep rancher Cade doesn't want Ab Abigail on his land and sparks fly and thus the conflict and romance blooms. There's fire and passion and Abigail is also trying to run away from a past that she's trying to escape. And there's a, there's a bad guy and there's... There's a uh, there's danger and excitement and and chase scenes and it's it's pretty fun. Yeah, so that it's a thriller as well as a romance. I would say it's a mild thriller. Yes, there's I I get scared easily. So <laughs> <laughs> and so does so does Abigail, <laughs> but she she manages to take care of herself, which which I like in a woman. So so and so does Kate. <laughs> and. I suppose the main, main thing is, why combine knitting and romance? It was a challenge to me. It was, it was almost this uh, instant challenge that I gave myself when I heard about um, NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. I had been schooled in the literary tradition. I have a master's in fine arts in creative writing from Mills College. And I had been trained to think of writing as very serious and, and you know, something you had to take very seriously and, and sit down and, and think of words as 
<laughs> uh, very you, take take them seriously. You don't you don't write romance. You don't write about knitting. And then I heard about National Novel Writing Month, which is an online challenge uh, put together by a man named Chris Beatty here in Oakland, and hundreds of thousands of people now across the world have competed in this challenge in the month of November to write a 50,000 word novel. And it doesn't have to be good. Uh, it just has to be 50,000 words. So in November of 2006, I decided to write something fun. And to me, fun and what I like to read is something romantic. And what I like to do is knit. So I wanted to write a knitting romance. And by allowing myself to have fun with it, I wrote the best thing that I'd ever written. I actually wrote good words and I wrote fun words. And I lost that worry about writing well. And by losing the worry, I wrote better than I'd ever written. And I, I sold a book, <laughs> which was kind of astonishing by, by, by losing that worry. Does that make sense? It does. I mean, it's, it's interesting what you say about you'd seen writing as being a very serious thing. I mean, it's not to say that you're not serious mm -hmm. about your writing, because I know you are, but it's that kind of fact that you can have fun with it still. Yeah, and by losing that serious tone, I became more serious about my writing than I've ever been before. And by embracing something that I saw as fun, I've actually learned to see the romance industry as one of the most serious industries out there, filled with the most serious, passionate, and the most intelligent writers, I think, that are in the business. And I've really been educated in the last few years of writing in this industry. And I'm, I've had my eyes open and it's been the most wonderful ride that I've been on. I couldn't recommend this enough. This is it's just been wonderful. I'm very, very proud of this book. Yeah, I was going to say that it's it's easy to be dismissive of romance as a genre. Yes. It's really, I mean, yes. Uh, I'll, just from on a personal level, I've been fairly dismissive of it years gone by because I remember my mother used to read sort of countless Mills and Boons. And then, <laughs> then in my struggling yeah. freelance uh, years, I actually tried to sell a book to Mills and Boone. And it's really hard. And there's a whole kind of pack that they send you with the different kind of genres of books. And yeah. I sent them an outline and... It got rejected because my heroine was too strong and my hero was too weak. <laughs> so um, yeah, I guess I'm just better, maybe better at writing women than writing men. Who knows? But I remember reading that the uh, when when you took part in that competition, and is it called for short Nano Rimo? Nano Rimo. Some people do say Nano Remo, but uh, according to the website, either is appropriate. But uh... The actual NaNoWriMoers do call it NaNoWriMo. Yeah. So. Um, I, I suppose I just wanted really to talk about the fact that when you did that, you then got into the habit of writing every day. That was the thing that changed my life. Yeah, that, that was really the, the... I don't think it happened that November. Basically, I wrote 50,000 words in November. I did not finish the novel. 50,000 words is not long enough for a normal novel. Uh, How to Need a Love Song, I believe, ended up being about 90,000 words, I think, 89,000 words. Uh, I took a few months off, and then it was actually a reader of my blog, Yarna Gogo, that emailed me and said there was a an online challenge of a first romance online, uh, and, I, and I should enter it. And it was closing the next day, and I had been fiddling with the novel and adding things to it and trying to finish it, but I went to a coffee shop and basically wrote a slapdash ending to it and sent it in. 
and it did well. It, it went to the top of that. And then I actually started writing every day, trying to really, really edit this novel into shape. And I spent a couple of months doing that into a real book shape. And then I started querying agents and getting serious about that. And I found my wonderful agent, uh, Suzanne Einstein, who then uh, sold the book to Avon, which is a HarperCollins uh, subsidiary. So that's how I uh, became a writer who's going to be on shelves, real shelves. <laughs> so that's the thing, isn't it? Sometimes that um, it's not just the writing. That's kind of part and part of the story, but it's not the whole story, is it? You've got to get picked up. Yeah, it's the it's the business end of it too. It's the it's the steps in the process and the but the wonderful thing is is that we don't write in a vacuum anymore. I kind of look at the the writers, the writer friends who surround me that were writing ten or fifteen years ago who were doing it all by themselves. And I don't really know how they did it because now we have the internet and the internet really does tell us how to do everything. If you go to agentquery.com, which is a free site, they'll tell you how to do every step of getting published, how to find an agent, how to write a query letter. And I don't know how people did it before. I mean, I know there were books in the library and there was, you know, writer's market. But it's 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 such a different time now and it's so much better. And I, I really think it's such a supportive environment out there. Mm. I just want to get back back to the uh, the book. Yeah. Uh, really, to, to the story, because I wanted to ask you about, um, obviously, Abigail sets up her, her knitting store. How much uh, knitting is in the novel? There's quite a bit of knitting and spinning, actually. Uh, it's, a, it's a knitting uh, spinning store, basically, that she has been bequeathed by this woman who loved her. Abigail, in the book, is a knit designer. She has been writing knitting books and she has been mentored by this woman, Eliza Carpenter, uh, in Southern California, who is a who was an older woman who has recently died. We real we learned that in the very beginning of the book, so I'm not giving away any spoilers. Um, but when she arrives at this cottage and it's basically a refuge for her, again, no spoilers, the cottage is full of the materials basically for this store that she's going to open that Eliza has been squirreling away for her without Abigail's knowledge. So Abigail finds this cottage that is almost ready to open as a, as a yarn store because Eliza knew that was Abigail's dream. So it's this, it's this gift that is given to her. So as Abigail's new life is beginning, so is her yarn store. So we get to see spinning wheels being set up. We get to see knitters descending upon this area we get to see people talking about knitting and spinning and it's it's pretty fun it was that that was a real fun part for me and also there's a pattern in the back of the book the whole time during the book abigail is knitting this sweater it's a man sweater that she thinks is for her next book uh of course it ends up fitting our hero kate it fits him to a t she does not know of course that it is intended for him but the reader picks up on that pretty soon <laughs> <laughs> that it's going to fit our hero. <laughs> and the pattern is at the end of the book. And I believe you're actually going to be, um, are you going to be running a competition to give away the uh, the actual sweater? I am. Yeah, yeah. Actually, when I was making the prototype of the sweater, I thought of that and I haven't worn, I, I 
I tried it on one man in order to take a picture of it and it, and it fit him lovely. And so I think at the beginning of March, when the book comes out, I'll post the details of the contest. And then at the beginning of April, I'll draw a winner for the sweater. And it's, I think it would make a good boyfriend slash husband sweater or a good, uh, wear around yourself sweater. It might be a little bit big on the average woman, but it, you know, it'd be a nice, cozy, lovely sweater. It's a, it's a traditional Gansey with raglan construction in a nice russet color. Yeah. And I just wanted to say, cause obviously reading, um, Eliza Carpenter, is there a little bit of the, uh, Elizabeth Zimmerman in her? There's, there's definitely a nod. <laughs> I tried to make her very different uh, because I don't, I don't want to have any legal trouble. Oh, no. <laughs> but I, <laughs> she's a, she's a different time. She, Eliza is based in a, you know, a different area of the country, but I do worship, love, adore, admire Elizabeth Zimmerman as we all do. And in the novel, Eliza Carpenter does have that hero worship that we all have for Elizabeth Zimmerman. And it's not really a coincidence that uh, Zimmerman means carpenter. <laughs> I didn't actually know that. <laughs> so you, you <laughs> so good on you for picking that up. <laughs> and the particulars of her life are very different. And, and, uh, but, but yes, there's, there's definitely that worship that I transfer onto her as, as the, the matriarch of our clan, I think. <laughs> and she is the one constant that will go through all three books. They're all set in a, a fictional town called Cypress Hollow. And so the characters will kind of uh, repopulate, kind of come back on, walk on and off um, set during the books. But Eliza Carpenter is always the, the one constant in all the books as even though she's even though she's already deceased she kind of affects all the lives and are you hoping to have uh, future patterns in the uh, the next two books as well yeah yeah each book will have a pattern that is that is relevant to the story yeah that's that's been fun to to think about the design and creation of each and then uh actually the sweater that i wrote for the second book i've, I've gotten a lot of wear out of that one already i can't give that one away <laughs> That that one's already for me, which is lucky because I made it in a strange yellow color, and I don't think anybody else would get much wear out of that yellow color. I'll make I'll make a different one to give it. I suppose it depends how strange the yellow is, doesn't it? <laughs> it's quite yellow. Not many can wear that color. And I mean, outside of um, obviously your novel writing, you have done some knitwear designing. Yeah, I've always. I, actually, I have to take that back. I'm not always. Um, I think I've been knitting since I was five and been really confident in it for the last 15 years. But it, it hasn't been until the last eight or 10 years that I really branched out and started doing my own thing. But never with the intent to design. I've never been that comfortable with doing the math and my own design. But um, but pretty recently here. I have, I've just started getting comfortable with that, especially, especially in one-offs. I'm, I'm real comfortable with designing something for myself that I don't have to write notes on <laughs> or ever do again. So, so with the book, I tend to take a lot more time and care writing everything down that I'm doing. Yes. Now you've been knitting since you were five. Who taught you to knit? Was it your mother? My mother taught me and she taught me just the basics and then actually gave me Elizabeth Zimmerman's, what's the most traditional book? 
knitting without tears. And I taught myself out of that, everything else. So she didn't, mom knit, but she never really liked doing it that much. So with my uh, left hand, and I always forget what that's called. It's continental, right? Oh, When you hold with your left hand. I get the terms confused, and I'm not sure why I've never got those straight in my head. I I don't know the traditional American way. Yeah, I, I get a little bit confused about it as well, because I suppose it's kind of, to me, as, as long as you just knit, knit in whichever way is comfortable to you. Yeah, yeah. Mom it doesn't really matter it. as long as you're knitting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As long as you're happy. As long as you're happy. Yeah, and right now I'm, yeah. I'm wearing hand-knit socks and a Fiona Ellis sweater called Bonnie. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm wearing now. I'm in the yarn room surrounded by sweaters and yarn <laughs> at my desk. It's a good place to be. It's a great place to be. Lots of cats running around. <laughs> is is that where you where you write every day in in the yarn room? Yeah, yeah. It used to be the yarn room, and it has morphed now into really the office. And gradually, paper is taking the place of all the yarn. <laughs> I have less and less time to knit, and more and more time to write. And I find that that is definitely the way I prefer it. I I love 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 the writing. This is definitely the job for me, and I feel I feel lucky and blessed every day. So this is this, it's just been so wonderful, so, so awesome. Now I wanted to ask you about uh, the pens. I can't say this properly now. The pens, pens fatales, fatales. Yeah, pens we fatales. we all kind of. I win. That's very good, very good. The pen fatale. We all we all say it differently, actually. <laughs> That's been a group I've been. So lucky to be part of their local group of eight women, including myself, that are part of my local Romance Writers of America chapter. And they are eight of us. We take turns writing on themes, pensfatales.com. And you can get there. There's a link on my site, yarnagogo.com. And for example, recently our theme was love and romance. And each one of us took a turn writing on love and romance. And when you get eight women talking about one theme, it certainly goes a different direction every single day. And it sometimes it's kind of shocking and different. And then, so if there's eight of us, so that takes two weeks, four days each. And then every Friday we have a guest blogger. And again, it comes down to that whole writing in a vacuum. I don't know how people did it. They've turned into some of my best friends and they have been with me on this ride and sometimes publishing is a is a crazy business and when I get confused or scared or lost I sent them an email and within minutes they have the answer for me or or cheer me up and and tell me what to do or basically tell me just to sit back down and get writing again that none of this matters just write some more so um they, they've been wonderful and are any of them knitters or crafters Lisa, I've gotten her back into knitting. She's wonderful because she used to knit and she had been watching me knit. And so she picked up the needles and knit a sweater in about a minute. She was done with it. So, yeah. Oh, people like that are so annoying. <laughs> She's terrible. She's like, I think I'll knit a sweater. Okay, I knit a sweater. <laughs> and um, Lynn is a crafter, although she doesn't knit. And uh, I think I think all of them are. Oh, and and Sophie's definitely crafty. Although she does she does all kinds of crafts. I think all of them are crafty in their own way, and they're definitely crafty with the words. <laughs> so 
So and then I'm also a member of another blog called Romancing the Yarn, which is and that's it, romancingtheyarn.blogspot.com. And those are all romance writers who knit, which is a which is a great uh, group led by Barbara Breton, who is a wonderful um, romance writer who has a series. The first one is uh, Casting Spells, which is wonderful. So so we're, we're out there. There's definitely a knitting, a knit, a knit fiction group, which is really gaining in popularity. So, yes, I mean, well, I was looking at, uh, well, I was looking at to see what the UK release date of your book was, uh, which okay. is the same as everywhere else. Which okay, is great. that's what I thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, obviously when I looked at it, it sort of suggests other titles, and it's amazing how many fiction books there are with knitting themes a lot of well, a lot of yeah. thrillers as well but and things like of course the uh, the friday night knitting club which is being made into a movie but it, it's amazing to think yeah. how it's kind of permeated other areas of life really well i think it it it's again the 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 fact that people underestimate the knitter you know the yarn harlot has been saying it for years that they don't understand <laughs> that where the knitters are and they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> when you and I are here talking to each other because of the knitter, when, when you came to, to visit, you know, four years ago and, and traveled across the bay and sat on my back porch, that was because of the power of the knit blog. And that's, that's why we know each other. And I mean, how long have you and I known, known each other or longer <sighs> than that? I was trying to work it out the other day because I remember, um, oh gosh, I remember meeting up with uh, you and uh, Mariko of Super Egg Plants. Right. Um, and this was at, uh, it wasn't in San Francisco. It was at, oh, Dharma Trading? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, that's in, um, it's in Marin. I remember, yes, I remember being there, and you were wearing chromarty. Why is that? <laughs> Thank you. Actually, is that how you say it, chromarty? Yeah, that's how I say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, but suddenly, I was normally my uh, American to English translator works, <laughs> and I was having a bit of a ooh <laughs> doubt. doubt <laughs> but yeah, you're wearing it. You're wearing chromarty. You hadn't. You'd, you'd only uh, recently finished it. That's right. That was that was. So it was a long time ago. That five, yeah. at least five, six years ago, probably. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, at least because I, I had uh, my lantern moon. Is it lantern moon or mango? I can't remember what it's called now. <laughs> it was uh, the recycled silk poncho. I remember that. Uh, which I I don't do ponches anymore, so I'm going to have to <laughs> turn that into a stole or something because I spent ages knitting. That. I still like, it, but I don't do the ponches. But um, yeah, so it has been a while, and I was trying to remember what your blog was called before you changed it to Yarnagogo. It was My Glass House, iPad. That's right, and that takes you back in the day. That was maybe eight years ago. Mm-hmm. That was when I that was when I really first started, and that was before that was right when the the when the knitters found me, and then I changed to yarn go go. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Well, I, I remember that because I've recently had my eighth uh, blog anniversary, basically oh. my knitting blog of uh, Sci-Fiville slash Spacecraft, and I was kind of you know remembering back to the time when you could 
read all of the knit blogs in an evening. You can't do that now. I remember that. For hours. But yeah, I remember you used to be able to do it. And we didn't have comments in those days because you'd have to email each other. And, and I it was remember a real, that. You know, I mean, it's still a community. I suppose Absolutely. Just, we have Ravelry and bigger places, you know. But, yeah. Yeah. And I still think it's just the best community there is. I really think that that with my community of knitters and with my community of writers, I just can't imagine having two better communities. I think that I'm just the luckiest person in the world. I always say it, but I really, really believe it. I just feel so blessed. This is this is a wonderful, wonderful time. And I have to say it again, that this book is the prettiest book I've ever seen. <laughs> Honest, honestly, when you see this in the bookstore, I'm not even trying to pimp it or push it or sell it right now. I'm completely astonished with how pretty this book is. I would pick this book up. I really would. Well, that's okay. good. I'm done. I'm done saying that now. Are you the target audience? <laughs> I might be the target audience. I really might be. It's just the prettiest color, red. <laughs> and I'm a red fan. So. Yeah, now you are going to be going on a, a book tour, aren't you? Um, a, a kind of a little of, mini of one sorts. of sorts. I'll be yeah. doing um, I'll be doing a couple local signings here. Uh, one signing that'll be really fun down in LA with Crazy Aunt Pearl, oh, um, wow. Lori Perry. So that'll be fun. And uh, signing in Boise, and then I'll be out at Romantic Times in Columbus, Ohio, and then in Nashville with Rom uh, Romance Writers of America. And then I'm hoping to get to maybe Rhinebeck in October and maybe a couple of the other knitting events. Um, I'm not sure about Stitches South yet, something like that. But we'll see how that plays out during the year. Could we get you out to the UK? Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be that would be so great. <laughs> I have another fantasy of getting to Australia or New Zealand because it was also published there as uh, under the name Eliza's Gift by Random House Australia. Yeah, so what, could, why did it, the, uh, they change the title? It's it totally different sale, mm. totally, totally different press, a different house. So they could, they could name it whatever they wanted. And that just fits their market better. So I could, I could justify that trip <laughs> <laughs> since I need to do a little press market down there. If I could find a time off, <laughs> that would be nice. But I would like, I like, I'd like the UK too. <laughs> Like to go everywhere. Is it being translated at all? It is. It's being translated into German. And I don't know what the title is going to be there. It was uh, bought by Goldman there. So I, I haven't I haven't heard much on that um, that version. I assume it will just take longer because of the translation. So no word on that yet. That must be quite weird. Being sat there in your house. No I mean, I know you, you've shown Lala the copy of the book this morning. Yeah, um, it's very weird and uh, you know it's been translated into german it's you know it's being released in australia new zealand it must seem yep. very strange it's very strange and then in a minute i you know when we hang up i have to just go do laundry and get ready to go to work tomorrow <laughs> and just and, and go back to my edits on the second book which is is due uh, next month so <laughs> it's all it's all so so exciting and at the same time remarkably prosaic so it's it's kind of it's kind of lovely in that way I, I like that I mean do you ever obviously you work as a, 
a 911 call dispatcher, you work on the uh, emergency line. It's a stupid question to ask yes. whether you'd uh, one day like to be able to give that up. Oh, yes, that would be nice. <laughs> but it's nothing I'm in any tearing hurry. I, I, I've i been managing. It, it's just kind of like having two jobs right now. And I love both of the jobs. The 911 job is, is it's for fire and medical. So I get to go there and feel like I'm really helping people. And then I don't take that work home, which is the nice thing when I'm not at the job doing 911. I'm not doing it. I don't take stacks of paperwork home with because at home I have stacks of paperwork <laughs> to do and the writing is is the job that I love at home and so that's so that's wonderful and uh, I kind of have the best of both worlds even though I'm really 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 busy all the time so someday it would be ideal to just have one job but you know that's that's the dream it's kind of like dreaming about winning the lottery <laughs> we, we all do that <laughs> Let's cross our fingers. Yes, well, you never know what might happen. And yes, so your your book, exactly. How to Knit a Live Song by Rachel Heron, it's, did you say it was published by HarperCollins? Yes, HarperCollins Avon A. And that's available around the world from March the 2nd. Yes. Thank you very much, Rachel, for, uh, for me and my guest. Well, I'm Marie Urshard, and that was Knitcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>